You're listening to the Tipsy Nerds Book Club Podcast, your home for the best of science fiction and fantasy with a twist. Whether you prefer your stories with dragons or aliens, your beverages shaken or stirred, fill your glass, relax, and join the conversation with your hosts, sci-fi and fantasy authors and proud tipsy nerds, Natalie Wright and R.S. Dabney. And now a shout out to our newest Patreon patrons, Adam Borden and Courtney Miller. Thank you for supporting the Tipsy Nerds Book Club podcast. Hashtag Save Robin. Welcome, tipsy nerds, book lovers, and Star Wars fans to a special episode of the Tipsy Nerds Book Club podcast. I am one of your hosts, Natalie Wright, and with me, as always, is the denizen of duality, Robin Dabney. Hey, Natalie. That's, I like that title. I like that a lot. Um, and I, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that in the show, but um, how are you today? I am doing very well. I am doing very well. I'm excited that we have a resident Star Wars expert on hand, our writer, pal, and friend of Tipsy Nerds Everywhere, C.D. Tavener, is with us. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be joining you guys again, and I'm a self-proclaimed Star Wars expert, which might bite me based on what I'm about to say in this episode, because someone will probably call me on getting something wrong, but... I've read way too many Star Wars books. After following you on Twitter and seeing your Twitter feed, I was like, yeah, we've got to have him on for a Star Wars episode. <laughs> so you know what? <laughs> There's always going to be someone who says something or knows something, but we don't care. You are you are our resident expert. So, you know, they can just suck it. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can tell Robin, this is our second episode we recorded today. You can tell Robin's already had a drink because she's yeah. starting out in the first two minutes with sucking. Really aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of mad at some people on Reddit right now. So that's, I think, what's happening, but we'll get to that later. Okay. <laughs> so on Reddit, actually, one of my friends messaged me today and it was mad at people on reddit because apparently someone he was just reading a thread and someone apparently spoiled so yeah the, the ending has we, okay we're just gonna get right into it this is why i'm salty Don't spoil I'm not, it for I, me, though. I, I haven't read it i have <laughs> not i have not read it on okay. reddit because for me all right like, all these people who are online right now like all the things we're going to talk about are like speculation and stuff i have not read anything i don't want to all the people who do i don't consider to be true fans and so i'm a little ticked off right now because like the first movie came out 42 years ago. If you are a true fan, you can wait <laughs> until December 20th. Like, right. you can wait two years. I don't know. I'm just like, who spoils the ending to something that is such a big, grand story and then considers them a fan? I'm mad at you people, and I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's just yeah. a dick move. Okay, so thanks well, for I making me so- feel so fucking Sorry. old, Robin, because, like, I was in the theater when I that original in, one came I out. I was nowhere. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think regardless, I think I can understand people spoiling the film for themselves, but then going and like actively spoiling it for someone else, that, that is just terrible. Right. Okay. So before we rant more about people on Reddit, (laughs) assholes they are, uh, let's talk about our drinks because here's what we did, everyone. We each are uh, created or came up with a drink and we don't know what we're what the other folks are drinking. So it's a surprise. So let's start with you, uh, C.D. Tavener. What are you drinking today in honor of Star Wars? So a fun little trivia fact about Star Wars is that they actually have coffee in Star Wars. They just call it calf. Not very yeah. creative. But I decided to go a little bit festive, but also lean into that Star Wars trivia bit and make spiked calf, which is coffee with a little bit of Irish cream, a little bit of coffee liqueur, and then I added a tiny bit of That's peppermint That's also festive, schnapps. so that's perfect for Ooh. this time of year. 
Uh, exactly. So, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so and I thought I'd be Robin, really funny, trying? maybe. And I don't know if this is. It might be super lame. But I was yeah. trying to take the name of the movie and then a... And I'm not sponsored by these people. But I created a drink called The Rise of Sky Vodka <laughs> to go with The Rise of Skywalker. And, um, yeah, Sky Vodka is not sponsoring me, though they should. And I basically took an aviator, which is kind of a classic drink, and changed the gin out for vodka. And so it's vodka, lemon juice, maraschino liqueur, and creme de violet. It's gray in color also, which, you know, Ooh. if you are a fan and you're sort of like into the the theories and whatnot. Yeah, mm. you know, there's talk of the rise of the, the great, great Jedi. Jedi. So great drink, rise of sky vodka. I thought it was funny. I might be silly. <laughs> well, you had me at vodka, but you know, there we go. Yeah. That sounds good. I uh, came up with a drink that is an homage to one of my favorite characters. And that is a general Organa Manhattan. So here's to the general. Nice. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, red wine, bourbon, and then a little bit of simple syrup. And you get some nice, like, uh, bourbon cherries, you know, like people use in Manhattans. And I floated one of those in there and use it as a garnish. But it's sweet and it's beautiful, but it packs a punch. And I thought that was exactly what we needed to say cheers to the general. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, gosh, I just think about her and I want to tear up a little bit. Oh, what's going to happen with her in the movie, you know, and all that stuff. So, Matt, where are we going to start this? We, we've got eight movies we can talk about. We're going to ignore the side ones, I think, because it's just too unwieldy. I mean, yeah, it's already unwieldy. Right, right. So we've yeah. got eight movies. We can speculate about the new one that's coming out soon. Gosh, where do you guys want to start? Let's start with our speculation. I think that's, okay. a, yeah, that's a solid yeah. place to start. Yeah, it's just... It, yeah. It, like Robin and I were speculating before uh, the last episode uh, of Game of Thrones and got everything wrong. So this is fun. <laughs> so let's get everything wrong. <laughs> CD, let's start with you. What are you? What are some of your theories for what's going to happen in the last episode? Well, I think this is more of a hope than a speculation, but I also think that it makes sense for them to do that. I think they've really got to lean into the craziness that can happen with the Force now, especially with what happened in The Last Jedi and all the new Force powers that they've revealed, and especially with having that moment with Yoda and Luke, uh, Yoda's Force ghost coming back. They've got this opportunity to really kind of pay off on the concept of Force ghosts, because if you're thinking about the whole story chronologically with, with that, not when the movies came out, but chronologically one through eight, the first mention of Force Ghosts is in Episode 3, and then the first, then you've got disembodied voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in Episode 4, and then you see him in 5, and in, in all three of them in 6, and then Yoda shows up in 8. Like, they've been building up that, like, Force Ghosts are a thing now, and then if this is the big conclusion of the story, how are Force Ghosts going to play into that? And I think we've got an opportunity to see something really cool. I really want to see a Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker Force Ghost. I don't know, yeah. like what his purpose would be maybe to like i don't know remind ben solo kylo ren like hey you know i'm gonna save you a lot of time and heartache just like, <laughs> change your mind now and not when you're dying um but i i don't know for some reason i really want to see a uh a darth vader's force ghost i don't know who you guys are hoping to see yeah darth vader like needs to come and you know help he needs to do an intervention with kylo ren and like help him get anger management counseling or something, you know, because he's a 
Kylo Ren's like a rage monster and seriously needs some like some anger management. I completely agree, especially so I literally just watched Return of the Jedi this morning and you end the film seeing a force ghost of Hayden Christensen if you're watching the newest versions. And Hayden Christensen apparently is one yeah, of those people exactly. who doesn't age. Like, if you've seen him recently, he looks the same as when Revenge of the Sith came out. So, like, they could use him, and hopefully they did. That would be awesome. And he, like, has a conversation, just, like, a heart-to-heart with Kylo. And he's like, you don't want to be like me. Force Ghosts. Okay, I I kind of looked at Force Ghosts as, like, a very convenient plot device that was stupid. But, okay. Yeah. It's not stupid. It's, like, so totally archetypical Joseph Campbell, right? It's, like, the... You know the mentor coming back, the the oracle on the hill. Yeah. Like I, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it in modern storytelling, we expect things to not be so convenient, but I think Star Wars harkens so deeply to that like original form of storytelling that it, it can get away with a lot of that kind of stuff. Every time I see the like little ghost Yoda, I don't know. I just think it says cheesy to me. I would rather them be in his head than in. I mean, like, understand, listeners, I love Star Wars. The little, like, glowing Yoda doesn't do it for me. I'd rather him be more, like, ghosts, you don't have to see them to know they're there kind of thing. You know, that that's so. But, okay. Would you have him, would you have him be more like Baby Yoda? Okay, don't even get me started on Baby Yoda. <laughs> Or all of all of the all of the characters with huge eyes that are supposed to attract children, and I'm like, get them the fudge out of here! I just, I'm sorry, oh, my God, I love porgs. Oh, oh my god, god. I no. no! Wait, hold on, hold on. I watched these. I watched last night to get ready for this. I watched the two, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi last night and this morning. And my parents watched with me. They hadn't watched before. And my dad is 73 years old. And every time that porg came on, he laughed like it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen. So, you know, he's like a 73-year-old white man and he thought porgs were one of the best parts of the story. So, you know, they're not bad. Well, I don't know. I, I just, I'm the one that like wants to beat up AWOCs. I don't know why. I just, you know, AWOCs make, make me want to punch things. And so the porks are kind of in that, in that zone. I think you need to be yeah. visited by a, a force ghost. For the, for the same know. anger management <laughs> as Kylo Ren is. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> if you want to punch AWOCs. <laughs> I relate to Kylo Ren. Maybe we both need an intervention. Okay, so... Uh, one, yes, we digress about Natalie's need for anger management. Okay, so what are the other? Um, what are some other theories you have for the last one? Like, well, where where does it go? Or when one of the things I think we should talk about, and uh, Tavnor, this is when I definitely want your opinion on Ray and where she comes from and her parents. Kylo Ren in the last the last movie said that she was a nobody and came from nobody. That might be true. It might not. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Ray's background? So I really hope that's the real truth. I know lots of people were upset by that because they like, I mean, for, people are obsessed with families in Star Wars, but in the, it's funny because at the same time, people then get mad when everyone's connected. But there, it seems like there were a lot of people that didn't, that really wanted Ray to be connected to someone. And I am a sucker for the idea that the person, that she's just, a no one who becomes a hero because that's very different from what we've had in Star Wars so far, but also kind of plays into the themes 
of Star Wars in a lot of different really fun ways. So my big hope is that they don't end up shoehorning in some weird family connection. Well, and it shows that every man's story. Like, and I liked at the end of The Last Jedi, they had that kid out there with his resistance ring and you sort of feel like maybe he's connected to the force in some way, but it, it has this feel that anybody actually can be a hero and have the force and utilize it. And I think that's, I I like and agree with you on that. The only thing that like, for some reason would make me happy. And I think it's probably not true. And I have no basis for why it would make me happy is if she was like Palpatine's granddaughter or something. And I don't know why Palpatine, but we hear his voice in the trailer. He's obviously coming back in some regard and he's like just such a bad dude and he is so prevalent in the canon and somehow that would make me happy but i also think it should still just be that she is from nobody and just has the force yeah anakin skywalker was a nobody yes he was and then he was anointed by the jedi and told that he was going to be like the greatest hero ever so like there's that complicated right. part but i mean his or his origin story, yes, though. I mean, absolutely. He, is he was a nobody but a chosen from, one, right? And so... Well, they thought he was... The jury's still out. Because <laughs> there was a... Right. Right. And I, I think that when you watch them in sequence, you know, then you get to the third one and you see Yoda say... Yoda was always skeptical of that. And, you know, probably he wasn't the chosen one that they prophesied or whatever. But... The thing about Ray is that, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Tavener. I agree. I loved that twist that she's nobody. And I loved it for all the reasons you said. But they had so much like foreshadowing that she probably was related to the Skywalkers because, for example, she has that from the very beginning, there was this connection between Luke and Leia because they were twins. They shared a womb and they that's really the only force power that Leia had until side note, she has this Emperor Palpatine flying through the air bullshit that happened in, in that really one feel. movie that was like <laughs> just bizarre as fudge. But anyways, yeah, for I mean, what the hell? That was just no. But anyway, she, you know, that that was her only power was she had this connection with like her family and she could, you know, kind of sense Luke and such. So the way it connected that, and then there was a scene in the last movie that they made, um, The Last Jedi, where Luke, although he's a hologram, he's having a moment where he touches her hand. And there's like, they're sharing all this information through this or whatever. But anyway, they did these same things with Kylo Ren and Rey. They have some of these same motifs repeated. And so, okay, one thing I dislike in a story is don't do that shit and then not have it be real. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's that old adage, like, as writing adage, if you put a gun on the wall in the first scene, by the third act, you better damn well use it. And I feel like Star Wars, I don't know if they're planting things to, like, push people off, you know what I mean? Like, get you off of the real thing. But they've planted so many seeds that make it seem like she is a Skywalker. I mean, she and Kylo Ren absolutely could be twins separated at birth, just like Luke and Leia were, to protect her from the dark forces. And that's why they're, they have this connection. They've been separated. They're torn apart. They both talk about that feeling torn apart. They don't know what, it's like they're missing a piece of themselves. That's sort so, of thing. so anyway, I, 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 I get what you're saying I, there. The unfortunate part for um, them being separated at birth is that there's already books out that take place after the return of the Jedi that have Ben Solo as an infant. And so 
they would have to do some really quick hand waving to explain why in those books it's not mentioned why there was a twin that was separated off. The weird thing though sense. is, and I have yeah, yeah, yeah. For those okay. who don't know, there's also like a ton of books written by a bunch of different authors that are all Star Wars books. And I, when I was younger, we had a book. It was like the only Star Wars book we had in our house. And Han and Leia were married, and they actually had twins in this book. And one of the twins became good. The the yep. uh, the the yep. girl and the boy became bad. And so when I first saw The Force Awakens, I was like, well, duh, raise Kylo's twin because in the books they had twins. But I don't think they're utilizing that. I don't know. Do you right. know anything about that, Tavner? Or is that just like it was a book, but it's not included in this at all? So I've I've read all of those books. <laughs> um, and so in 2014, after Disney bought Star Wars in 2012, they reset the canon. And so all of those books that were written before 2014 are no longer part of like the continuity of Star Wars. However, the thing is, is that, is that they've continually drawn from those stories in a lot of really interesting ways for inspiration for new stories. In some cases, they've brought characters back. And I definitely think that even if George Lucas wasn't inspired by them, the way that they're kind of crafting Ben Solo as the son of Leia and Han, who goes evil, some of the writers or some of the um, producers of the story had to be thinking about that story where um, I believe his name is Jason Solo goes bad in those books. And so like, I mean, like the people, especially the people who manage the continuity of Star Wars, like for example, Pablo Hidalgo is, like the guy he's like the encyclopedia of star wars at lucasfilm like he's been working at lucasfilm since 1997 keeping all of those stories straight so when the directors like jj abrams and ryan johnson are working with him obviously he's thinking about that narrative as okay. inspiration as well interesting so here's a fan theory that ray is a clone I saw of luke okay so much that's an interesting one <laughs> Yeah, but here's a here's a science question. Can you have male DNA that's cloned and produce a female? Is that like possible? I, well, I saw that it was Palpatine who cloned her from Luke's severed hand. I mean, if anyone can do it, he can, right? <laughs> I think that's that's an interesting theory. Like I I think if there if there's any I so Robin earlier you mentioned the idea of Rey being the granddaughter of Palpatine and like I think that type of idea works if it's kind of like not the whole story. Like maybe that's the type of story that like Palpatine tries to pitch to sway Ray, but like it's actually something more like, oh, she's a clone and then she got dropped off on Jakku or something like that. And so it's not like actually, because like we have no evidence in all eight movies of Palpatine ever having any sort of uh, romantic entanglements. So (laughs) No, but wasn't there somewhere that, um, Palpatine did have some sort of lab or something on Jakku? Or am I making that up? No, that's absolutely correct. Okay. But how is Palpatine still even alive? That's also a great question. That's, uh, that's I mean, let's dive into that. <laughs> Natalie, <laughs> Natalie, what do you think? <laughs> well, again, you know, Soros has lots of convenient ways to bring people back. Is you know, so... He, you know, he gets thrown over the side of this thing. We never see his body. I mean, like a normal person wouldn't survive that. And then the question is, even if he does survive that, because he's a, he's a, you know, a Sith Lord. I mean, he's, you know, Darth Sidious, right? Like if he can survive that, like why do we not see him then for all this time in these movies? And he just conveniently shows up in the last one, maybe 
But then that also brings me into who is Snoke and why did we never get to hear any more about him? He just gets cut in half and he's gone. That didn't answer anything you just said. So I, I think there's an opportunity for both of those questions to be answered in this movie. Now, there, it's a different question entirely as to whether they will answer those questions. But like the Snoke question, there could be some really great storytelling moments for them to subtly explain Snoke in the context of Palpatine. Like maybe Snoke was a puppet of Palpatine or like something like that. And even the, the explanation could even have to do with how Palpatine survived. So one of the really interesting speculations that I've seen about Palpatine's survival is that maybe the body that he was, the body that was on the Death Star in the Return of the Jedi was actually like not him. Like maybe he would all, he was already preparing for a potential loss because he like thinks in contingencies and obviously is a massive master manipulator. But I don't think that necessarily addresses your question as to then why does he disappear for 30 years? And if he was prepared in that way, why didn't he just immediately show up and say, Hey, actually I'm not dead. The empire is fine. Right. We should ask Lord Voldemort. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. A very Horcrux like situation happening here post Harry Potter and the Star Wars I mean, universe. we've seen, though, with Snoke, I mean, and Luke even in uh, The Last Jedi, that astral projection is a, is a thing that is utilized. And so I think going off of what you said, Tavenor, uh, maybe the, the Palpatine, the Emperor that we saw thrown over, why am I drawing a blank on this? Um, Return of the Jedi. Number, thank you. Return of the Jedi was not the real physical being Yeah, this is a good question, listeners. We'd love to hear, where has Palpatine been for 30 years? (laughs) What's he been doing? A fun fact to think about in the context of this is that, and so there's a series of books that take place right after Return of the Jedi that have been published subsequent, like at the same time as these movies coming out, where Palpatine shows up sort of in the sense that he sends droids with his face on them to various Imperial leaders to initiate something called Operation Cinder, which turns out to be literally a self-implosion of the Empire. And the whole idea is is that he's like, you couldn't protect me, Empire, so you don't deserve to exist. And at the same time, he like genocides entire worlds. But he uses these robots with his face. So right there, it does show he had contingencies in place. Whether or not those contingencies had his survival in mind as well in some weird way is another question. That gets into one of my issues with Star Wars and where it has not done as well as, for example, the uh, Marvel Universe is, is the villains. And it's really too bad because they have such opportunity to make these rich villains that they... Like Snoke is just a mustache twirling, ha ha ha, you know, kind of guy. And it's like, really? <laughs> so that's just a little, like one of my peeves with the series is that, you know what I mean? Like, I see uh, what you're saying. I think we don't with- get much development of who these people are and why they are motivated to just go out and do, quote, evil, you know? I feel like with Star Wars, though, once they go to the dark side, there's not really like an empathetic they are mustache twirling villains because it's all about power. They've completely corrupted their souls. I think if you had like backstories or side stories about how they became what they are, that's one thing, but I don't know. There's not really room for them to have a whole lot of stuff to them other than just straight up mustache twirling villains. Cause they've basically like forsaken everything for Supreme power. And even the, the apprentice, their whole goal is to kill and overthrow the master. So it's really, um, 
there's no good in them, really. I mean, we hope there is. There was Invader and maybe Kylo Ren, but I don't know. I, I'm okay. I'm more okay with the black and right. white in that regard just because of that. I, it feels like there could be more like, but what's their motivation for doing that at all? I mean, their motivation can be that they believe, for example, that they're on the, they're in the right. From their perspective, they probably think that the universe is better off with the order that they provide. Right. And so I'm just saying some of that subtlety that there could be with a character, it's almost like the writers aren't ever looking at it from the perspective of those characters. You know what I mean? I think that's the fundamental flaw with the prequel trilogy is that it failed to do right. that. I mean, it, it's is, trying to through Anakin Skywalker, but it's never really quite on point there. I mean, it's like exactly. his wife, you know, this the, that whole thing, you know, she's dying. Well, yeah, his jump isn't super believable. Right. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point if they had done that better, but okay. They, they have moments, like, for instance, in Revenge of the Sith, when Anakin and Palpatine are talking to each other and like you have these moments where like Palpatine's trying to seduce Anakin but like they don't have enough of that to really build out Palpatine's motivations beyond just Palpatine wants power and there are there could have been like as you said like saying hey because they believe they're creating a more ordered universe like that theme kind of sits there um as a possibility but it's not fleshed out right I mean like you know any fascist leader you could all, every time, make a story from their perspective that, in their view, they're doing the right thing. And I guess we just don't see that in Star Wars universe. But, hey, let's talk about what our favorite Star Wars movies are, like, of <laughs> all of them. Do you think you guys could rank them? I've done it Okay, before. so what's your ranking of, like, let's go with your least favorite, then to your first. Like, what's number eight? Well, Robin, do you well, want to go I, first? I, I cannot possibly rank this with the same. But uh, but I do want to okay, so throw I'll, one thing I'll out there because my answer is going to be short. But mine always growing up was Return of the Jedi because of the Ewoks. And I just wanted to throw that out there for Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> so now as you were. <laughs> so now you know that uh, Natalie wants to kill your yeah. favorite No, No, movie. just the sweet, well, innocent the, yeah. little baby yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So with the caveat that my favorite Star Wars film is actually Rogue One, not one of the uh, actual saga, I would say it's this is actually really hard because I think there's different parts of the films that are my favorite parts. So I think it almost makes more sense to tier them. So like I would say that like The Last Jedi, Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope are my tier one. And then tier two would be The Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, and Revenge of the Sith. And then tier three would be Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. We'll return to the Tipsy Nerds Book Club podcast in just a moment and hear Natalie's ranking for Star Wars movies. But first, a thank you to this episode's sponsor, P.L. Tavermina, author of a new sci-fi environmental thriller novel, Voyant about a farm girl who sees carbon emissions. When she's marked for death, the race is on to save her from the rapacious oil industry's attempt to stop her. Aerovoyant is available on Amazon. Learn more about the novel Aerovoyant and P.L. Tavermina on the Tipsy Nerds Book Club website homepage, www.tipsynerdsbookclub.com. Here's my ranking. My least favorite is Phantom Menace. I think we can all agree on that. Like, 
not only does it have Jar Jar Binks, but just all the way around, it is damned. <laughs> but so is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah, I, right? I actually like and then, Phantom Menace better than Attack of the Clones. Yeah, and then mostly because yeah. of pod racing. Yeah, <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, and then Attack of the Clones is my is next. So like number eight is Phantom Menace. Number seven is Attack of the Clones. This is going to be controversial, but number six for me is The Last Jedi. There's so much about that movie I can't abide wow. that it's actually in the lower tier. Number five, Revenge of the Sith. Number four, Return of the Jedi. Number three, The Force Awakens. Number two, for me, is Empire Strikes Back, which most people think is a better movie. However, A New Hope holds my heart. It's when I fell in love with Star Wars and with Luke Skywalker. And so that is my favorite. I do want to say with one of my, like, I, I can see a lot with both of what you guys are saying. With The Last Jedi, I think one of the things I really enjoyed about it, for me, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And The Last Jedi has a very Two Towers feel to me. Like a lot of the stuff that happens is similar. And even at the end, when they, you know, are holed up in, I'm forgetting the planet's Crate. name. This you. is why I'm here. <laughs> I know it was filmed in <laughs> Bolivia. So, um, but yeah, so they're, they're holed up there and you have this like all is lost moment and all of this. And it was very like Helm's Deep to me. And so I think because I love Lord of the Rings so much, for me, it was like, Helm's Deep part two and then Luke shows up and saves the day and it like I don't know I I still I can see the problems you've you found with it but I I still think it was a really really good movie I think go ahead Rob when they're on that planet when they're on the planet with the um the they're trying to find the guy to do the master code breaking I was kept whenever they're showing the little kids I was just waiting for (laughs) It's a hard duck's life to be sung by the little orphans. Why is that? It's a hard duck's life. I mean, well, I can say that's good in a Star Wars movie for me to feel that way. But anyway, and and feeling like the production level was pretty bad. Yeah, in those in some of those scenes. But like in this next one, if they show another scene with the same, you know, that like the uh, you know the cantina scene, if they do that again. I want to throw Isn't hands. I mean, like for the love of God, purposes? all things like, sacred, do like, not have another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no question of whether or not nostalgia should be a driving no. force in any of this. Right. But I, so I think this is a good right. opportunity right. to, because you said it might be controversial that The Last Jedi is down low. And I think that that's actually, I actually like the fact that The Last Jedi is controversial and that people have differing opinions about it because I think it actually shows that Lucasfilm and Disney behind Lucasfilm are willing to be bold and creative with Star Wars. Um, Whether or not The Last Jedi um, succeeded in making a good movie is a different question entirely. But like the way that I always describe The Last Jedi is I view it as having some of the highest highs of Star Wars, but also a few of the lowest lows. And I think that like that's why it's in my tier one, because there's some moments in it that I think are like the best moments in Star Wars. But then also I think that the first 15 minutes of that movie are the worst space battle say, in all what of is, Star Wars. Of the high highs, what is the highest high? And of the low lows, what is the lowest low? So the lowest yeah. low is Fair. the first 15 minutes of the movie. Um, and then the, it, like in addition to a few other things, but that part, it just makes me mad, especially when you think about the space battle that we saw on the big screen right before that one was the end of Rogue One, which is like one of the best space battles in all of Star Wars. And then we get that piece of crap in The Last Jedi. Like, just makes me angry. But I love the conversations between Rey and Luke as an as like kind of a, like, yes, there's parallels to the conversations between Luke and Yoda, but I think it like 
it's a great parallel in the sense that it complicates the idea of the Jedi and the Force in really fun ways. And everything between Rey and Ben, I think, is fantastic. And then the moment between Luke and Ben at the end of the film, where you have this arc where Luke, who was a hero in the original stories, has this terrible, tragic moment in his past between him and Ben. And then while he's on that island, doesn't believe he can be a hero again, or that the galaxy needs a hero, then ends up doing like the most heroic thing with the force that we've ever seen, which is like project himself halfway across the galaxy and defeat his apprentice without even touching him. Yeah. Is really poetic. And that movie would be so good if they didn't have all the shit in between them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, basically, every, I mean, essentially, the entire storyline with Finn is so absurdly bad that it, like, it makes me angry every time I watch that movie. It's like this fake romance with him and Rose. It's just, it's just so bad that it it makes me want to scream because all of what you're just saying is so good and I totally agree with you. And then it's like, and we want to see that. Like, I've waited 40 fucking years to see Luke Skywalker really rise to the hero level that we've been wanting this whole time. And then they're muddying it up with all this other crap that's going on. Anyway, gosh, how do I feel about it? I feel strongly about it. That's how I feel about it. what are your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Anger leads to hate. Fear leads to anger. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I turn it so to I, the I dark side. The Jedi this oh morning, my god! Actually. And I, I don't know. Like the problem for me is I am such a sucker for like people come together. Underdog defeats evil, saves the day. So I'm still on this high of like ready to go to war with the galaxy. So, um, like or with the with the first order. Yeah. Yeah. But, but oh yeah, Ben Solo needs a hug. He does. That's that's what I have to say. Ben, <laughs> that. Yeah, Ben Solo needs a hug. I, and I, I agree with you. I think sometimes I overree with you. I think sometimes I overlook some things because I'm like really into other things. <laughs> no, I, and so, I, I hear you. I just feel yeah. like some of the storytelling and it was um, unfortunate. That's how I am too. That's how I am too. I also yeah. do wonder if this is slightly, not, not to point out the fact again that you were alive when the first movies came out, but I do wonder if it's a symptom of growing up with the prequel trilogy where like, we grew up with these absolutely spectacularly bad movies, but there, we still are, weirdly yeah. love them because we were six when they came out. And like, yeah. I mean, there's lots of flaws with the original trilogy too. All of the, all of these movies have flaws yeah. in a lot of different ways. I just, I think that's the controversial thing about The Last Jedi is that there's some really good moments in it. And because they're so good, the really bad moments right. stand out even more. I think I was also born in the late 80s. And so the 90s was really like my childhood, like, where the storytelling development came from. And like the nineties had some really awful, like cheesy storytelling. So I think I just also have a high tolerance for like anything that is maybe somewhat not believable or as long as it's exciting and fun and whatever, and there's people you can get behind. I think I can like sort of turn my gaze on the fact that Leia is (laughs) randomly floating through the, the, the space when that hasn't really been set up for us. And, And so while that's happening in the moment, I'm like, a little bit icked out, like, ooh, but it passes and I'm like, oh, shiny new thing that's exciting. And so I forgive that. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's kind of me. Well, yeah, I don't think that's a bad or a good thing. I just think it's an interesting observation. I have an interesting question for you, Natalie. When you first saw Empire Strikes Back, 
What did you think of all of the crazy force powers that showed up in the film? Well, I was a child, probably. Empire Strikes Back, because what year did that come out? 80. Yeah, I mean, I was still, like, I was in middle school, and I probably didn't think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I wouldn't have looked at the movies at that time with the same kind of, like, discerning eye that Makes I have sense. now. Yeah. And so I'm sure I just was thrilled. Right. You know what I mean? Just happy and thrilled, because... Star Wars movies, the first one when it came out, it wasn't an event at the moment, but it became an event quickly. Yeah. And I know that I saw it at least two or three times in the theater at that time and have seen it many times since. And it's still my favorite. The Empire Strikes Back, I remember, you know, these were events, I mean, just like they are now. And I just was probably thrilled and didn't think about it. Because that, that, that was something I was thinking about yesterday when watching The Empire Strikes Back, the number of new force powers that show up in the movie when you compare it to what's in A New Hope and mm-hmm. how, and I was just like, I wonder if anyone was like, what, in A New Hope? They didn't foreshadow that telekinesis was possible. How dare right. they have right. Luke pull his lightsaber to him? Like, and like, and maybe they didn't because it was still like the second movie and there wasn't this whole like massive continuity and canon behind it. But I was just thinking about how each of the films does add a little bit to the force powers. Because like personally, right. I think the idea of Leia flying is really cool. I don't think it looked very good on screen. Right, I think that's more of the problem. <laughs> it's just... What the hell? She really looked like Palpatine, actually. (laughs) They did her hair up. And if you look at the last scenes of Palpatine and his hair and his cape, she kind of looks like a female Palpatine. And he would fly around and she's flying around. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, it just didn't look good. So maybe that was more my reaction. But I do this when I'm writing and I have a character that has abilities. When I'm writing my first draft, by the end, I've got all kinds of abilities for them that I didn't know they had. But then I go back and, you know, you like then work it in in a way that it's more believable, hopefully. So it's not just like, oh, hey, that would be cool if they could blah, blah, blah. And you type it down, you know, or, hey, here's a cool power that would help them out of the situation. Da, da, da. But with Star Wars, I feel like they're doing that. And there's no editing of it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, hey, we, ha- we have a convenient, we have a need for this. Here, we'll have them do the X. And we just throw it in there. And- there does always seem to be an available ship when everything else has been blown up. Right. I kind of wish my life was like that. Like, Here's another one. If the Millennium Falcon comes in and saves their ass again, you know what I mean? This piece of junk has been floating around. And every time it's the Millennium Falcon. And it's like, look, fans don't need to have that. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of like, when it shows up, I'm like, yeah! Like, <laughs> do it! What if that's the big tragedy of this film? The Millennium Falcon gets blown up. I don't think the Millennium Falcon is going to survive. And I think I will be in tears. I feel like in a way they're going towards, like in the last movie, they were saying it was time for the old order to die. And that's what they're talking about. And so I think they should have pretty much all of those people die and all of their things that related to them die. (laughs) That means we lose our 2 d Really, that's the the ultimate tragedy. Yeah. Well, it feels like they need to, you know, it's, it's time for new, new ideas, new blood, new, thoughts i don't know maybe i mean i i love that theme of star wars for the sequel trilogy that it is kind of like you know the idea of the old generation thought it had fixed everything but then new problems arise which is a very real cyclical thing in our own world where like there's new problems always arising um i mean there you have you've got to bring new people in and a good 
older generation will like inspire and support those new heroes or whatever that are coming in as opposed to trying to like hold them back or anything like that. Right. I think the Star Wars does that well, like General Organa. I mean, she's trying to teach Poe, for example, like, look, Flyboy, you know, being a hero isn't always just flying around and shooting your guns. You know, there's, there's different <laughs> ways to be a hero. And he's learning that lesson, which was actually one of the better, I thought, moments of that movie too. So here's a question. What are your guys' thoughts on the moment in The Last Jedi where they blow up the supremacy, Snoke's big Star Destroyer, with the, I believe it's called the Radis, going through hyperspace into it? Is that when Laura Dern, <laughs> okay, Dies, <laughs> to put it yes. in layman's terms, um, I mean, I don't know, I could buy into it, but tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> well, one of the, okay, because uh Listeners know I'm probably hypercritical. So I'm like, well, you have all this technology and you don't have autopilot. <laughs> yes. Like, seriously? Point. Yeah. I mean, it gives her a redemption moment that she gets, I guess we I sort yeah. of needed because the writing of the, yeah. But, you know. The no, only thing I, I was like, I was like, because they blew up a lot of transport ships before she even decided to turn around. And it's like, for me, the first time the transport ship, right. like the first green explosion I see in the sky, I'm like, okay, I'm going to die anyway. I'm turning this bitch around and we're right. going to go chop this other ship in half. That was really a horrible way to talk about space, but right. about space battles. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it because again, for me, I'm a sucker for those moments. Like, but I want to, yeah, you asked us. So now I want to know your thoughts on it. <laughs> so it's, yeah, definitely. it's visually stunning and I love the concept, but I think from a narrative perspective, it wasn't set up. Like, I actually think a lot of the other force powers and major, like, big things that happen in The Last Jedi are set up in really clever ways if you, like, pay attention to words that, like, Luke or Ben are saying and stuff like that. Like, for instance, there's that moment between Rey and Ben where, like, water droplets all of a sudden are on Ben's hands, almost, right. like, setting up that, like, things can kind of go far across the galaxy through the force. And so then Luke does that later. And so there's, there's those cool moments. But, like, in this, no, nothing in all of Star Wars sets up the idea that you can go into hyperspace and drill through another spaceship. There's even like, and there's even a moment in Rogue One where ships are about to go into hyperspace. Another Star Destroyer comes out of hyperspace and they collide and the Star Destroyer is completely fine. They could have set up this moment by like earlier in the film referencing that like the reason why their shields are lasting so long is because they installed some sort of like experimental shield or something like that. Right. That and then that experimental gotcha. shield is the explanation for why it's able to like do this weird hyperspace thing. Um because then it's like oh new tech and they already set up new tech with the hyperspace tracking and so it's like that's the resistance's new tech. They got this cool shield that can do cool things. I think right. I didn't I don't think I had the knowledge about the technology to know any difference. So I can see how for people who really understand the technology in this world, that would be right. really irritating for me. I don't, I'm ignorant to a lot of the specifics of it to where I'm just like, if, if the storyline for me is exciting, I'm like, cool. <laughs> but I can see how I, for you, that would be aggravating. I also think that it also shouldn't actually be that big of a deal because you could, I, it looks cool. There, it, it poses some questions, but I don't think they're insurmountable questions because another possible explanation could be that like, actually, this used to be a tactic all the time 
but it's incredibly expensive to waste really big ships to blow up other really big ships. And so people usually just don't do it because if you just perpetually blow up your ships by blowing up the other person's ship, you're wasting a lot of life and you're wasting a lot of money. Right. Right. So I have a question for y'all about the upcoming movie. So I was listening to some um, YouTubers and it sounds like fairly recently they announced that they were, they had cut like 30% of the scenes they had filmed with uh, Mark Hamill. Apparently before they did got it on the cutting room floor, the movie was four hours long and there was a lot of backstory about Luke Skywalker. And so they cut a whole bunch of that and fans were are already like bitching about it because, you know, fans of Luke Skywalker, which I understand a lot of people out there are not fans of Luke Skywalker. So maybe they don't care, but do y'all have any thoughts about that? Like, what are you this might lead more into the question of what are you hoping to see in the last movie? Like, what do you need to have happen to make you feel like you got your money's worth with this whole long franchise? It's a good question. I'd not heard about the uh, cuts on Luke, uh, on Luke's time in the film. Cause I actually, I pay pretty close attention to the production stuff. So that's really interesting to hear that they had more scenes with him. Apparently it's going to be, they're probably going to include most of it in the CD that comes out or the mm. Blu-ray that comes out next year. But there was, apparently he was kind of piffed about it, Mark Hamill, because he had prepared really long, prepared hard for some scenes, one that took four days for him to um, film, where it goes more into what we saw in the last movie, uh, The Last Jedi, with him yeah. and Kylo Ren and his the his school right. being destroyed there was that scene and there was a lot of him in like lightsaber action which i mean for fans of Luke Skywalker that would be really cool because we really you know i always love to see those scenes um so that would have been fun to the see the interesting him. thing to me is that they wouldn't break that into two movies because it seems like they're nobody right. would shy about doing that and making money off of us because i would pay right. for 4 hours of Luke Skywalker <laughs> um, split in two um yeah, I, I, I don't definitely know. Yeah. one. I, yeah, I I would do that too. I mean, if we did that for Harry Potter and for, you know, movies like what? Twilight. Um, <laughs> yeah, and some others. I would definitely do that the for Hobbit. this. But yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I I can't imagine why they would cut that and not give that to us. I think anybody who likes Star Wars, like for me, I, I mean, I could see a, a lightsaber battle over and over, and I would still be into it as long as. You know, maybe they changed the setting. I don't know. Apparently, it was also part of just the J.J. Abrams and how he wanted the movie to feel and the tone and what he wanted to portray. So it's a big mystery. But apparently, those scenes will be in the Blu-ray, which means they'll get more money out of us anyway, because then we'll go buy the Blu-ray so we can see more light interaction. I just want everything to be wrapped up, and I want it to be done in a way that makes sense and that has been set up and feels true. I'm just, I don't want Game of Thrones part two. Like I just, I want, as long as I don't really care how anything goes, as long as it's done in a way that is believable. I think that's a good answer. I like that answer a lot. My big hope is very similar to that, that this, the end of this film, well, and the end of these nine movies wraps up this story in a way that has meaning for the greater Star Wars universe. As someone who reads like every, actually I listen to most of them on Audible, but listens and reads to like everything Star Wars related. I watch the TV shows I want this to end the nine movies that started it all in a good way. And then we never return to the Skywalker saga ever again. And we can open the sandbox to tell lots of really cool creative stories. That sounds good. 
I really don't want Ray to go to the dark side. I don't either. That'll I don't, cheap. I don't have an, yeah, I don't have an issue with her battling with her dark side because that would be good character development. And, you know, the, the point I think that they should be making is that every human being has both sides in them. You know, we aren't all just light. We aren't all just black. You know, we, it's, we're both, we're light and we're dark and we battle it within ourselves and they sort of do that. But she, I think, and, and, Kylo Ren give us a prime opportunity to really delve into that even deeper. And I would like to see it resolved in a way that she's not like a Sith Lord. That would really irritate me. That would be like Daenerys, you know, like torching the town kind of situation that I don't want to see. I don't think it will for a couple of reasons. One, it's Disney. And Disney is a lot nicer than HBO and Game and George R. R. Martin. <laughs> uh, they're all about right. beginnings. But two, I really think <laughs> this is one of the things I've I've seen, and it makes sense. It's what the setup is. They're talking about out with the old and with the new. We've had this wonderful saga of good versus evil, light and dark, like the duality. Going back to that of of man, of nature, of the, the force. And I think one of the things. That, even with Ray and Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, is they're always talking about being torn inside. And this is why my drink is gray in color, is because I think how it will end and how would be a good ending for this is that it is out with the notion of good and evil being these two completely separate, unbalanced entities and the powers that be becoming more of this gray force of of living with both of those things inside them and power in their balance. And I think that's how it will end. And I think that will lead to what you were asking for, Tavener, which is a conclusion to this, giving it purpose, which is that balance between these things that have caused so much destruction over time and opening it up to something new and then satisfying us because anytime we can find balance and purpose in a story, I think we can be happy with it. I agree that I really hope the idea of you, you used the term earlier, like a gray Jedi, that like concept is really leaned into in some way. I doubt they'll call it that, but yeah. like if that is what they lean into, that will be fulfilling a lot of plot threads that have been kind of building over all of the, all of the films. Like, I mean, for as flawed as they are, the thing that the prequel trilogy does really well is showing the arrogance of the Jedi yeah. and how they think they know what's going on and that like all at all this time, like Palpatine's working in the background to undermine them. And like the idea that that is echoed again in The Last Jedi when Luke is talking about how like the Jedi thought they owned the force, that like they, it was their own, they were like the only ones who knew how to use it correctly, like the arrogance aspect. And there's other moments too, where that kind of theme is echoed, where I, I feel like, you know, in Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, like Yoda and Obi-Wan kind of have an expectation of how Luke's supposed to confront Vader. And I don't think the way that he ended up beating Vader was necessarily the way they thought he would beat him. Right. And, so like this idea that there's a different way to go about things other than what the Jedi and the, because the Jedi and the Sith have polarized everything and to create a new way. Right. There's a, right. There's a moment too in the last Jedi and I can't think of the, you know, the, the man that they meet that ends up. Yeah. I forget his name too. Uh, he's played by Benedicio del Toro. Uh, yeah. Benicio Toro. <laughs> yeah. So there's a moment where he is saying to um, Finn that the money, the money not only came from the empire, but also came from the rebellion to the arms sales. 
because they're talking about, oh, we just want to blow up all these rich people. We just want to blow this town up because they're rich and they're bad and they make all their money from arms sales. And he, it's just this very short little thing, but he says, yeah, the ship that they stole was from an arms dealer and the arms dealer sold weapons to both sides. And I like that moment because it's so true to our real life where sometimes people are double dipping, you know, they're, they're dealing to both sides and that the war is definitely there for a very few are uh, benefiting from it and the rest of the people are suffering from it. And so I thought that was good that they pointed that out. That even in a galactic war, there are winners and losers, and the losers are us, basically. One of the few good moments from the Kanto Bite sequence. Right. But it was a, a telling and, and poignant moment. And then we go back to, you know, the rebellion. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what is the role of General Organa and all of her people? And what, you know, they're, they're fighting too. They're building these warships. And it's all been this big, long war. And what good has really come from any of it? I still think uh, it's a great question. And I think one of the, good question. the most fascinating and frustrating parts of it is that like, there's no way around it. It's just how the world operates because I would still argue that General Organa and all of these people needed to spend that money because they were the spark that lit the fire that whatever um, they kept going on about. Like, cause if you don't, I don't know. It, 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 it you could get really nihilistic with it. Like, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> like if you don't do that, then the first order wins. And it's like, so it's like you're fucked either way. It's like you, so you may as well give money to the arms dealers and keep fighting and have a lot of people die. And I don't know, hope that people like Kylo Ren and Ray come out of it all and are like, okay, we're done. We're gray Jedi. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So it was interesting to see, you know, what they, what they do with everything and how it, how it turns out. But it sounds like all of us can agree. We just, we want resolution. Absolutely of the major plot threads. We want to know answers to some of the mysteries like Palpatine and Snoke and the origins of Rey for sure and how what's going to happen with her and Kylo Ren and what new cute character they'll introduce. <laughs> to sell merchandise. With, with big, uh, yeah, with big, with big eyes that appeals to the um Me and the my dad. Like hearts. <laughs> the child, so, the child and all. Without yeah. any context at all because right. we've only seen trailers. What do you guys think right. Rise of Skywalker means? Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Natalie? Well, okay. So Skywalker goes back and to yeah. Anakin Skywalker, right? And Ben well, is the a Skywalker, Skywalker as well. I think it's the rise of Luke Skywalker. I'm going all in on the theory that there is a new order of force wielders and this gray Jedi theory and that they are no longer Jedi and Sith, but they call themselves Skywalkers. And that's what this is. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. That's my favorite too. That is my, th yeah, the moment I, like I, I thought yeah. that within like the first few days after the time, I mean, lots of people were it's throwing poetry. that idea around, but that's the one that's latched onto me that I think has the coolest, yeah, the coolest meaning to the entire series. But I think it can also have multiple meanings. Um, if we were to see Anakin, Luke, and yeah. Leia all come back as force ghosts in the end, no, I know you don't yeah, like the idea I of Force Ghosts, of but that would be really yeah. cool. <laughs> but I think I think the theory that you guys said is probably not going to happen. And the reason why I say that is because if it's true that J.J. Abrams said, we're going to cut a whole bunch of stuff and revamp this, 
It could, you know how they like, if there's a fan theory, they'll do the opposite or they won't do it. So I'm concerned they're not going to do that very cool thing because it was such an early fan theory for what that meant (laughs) that uh, they probably just like said, oh, okay, we're not going to do that. It would make me sad. I can't wait to see. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, so on the whole, the, the whole yes. balance idea too, and like leading into this idea of whether they call them Skywalkers or not, but ending with this concept of balance, the, the whole scene on Octu between last, uh, Luke and Ray, you've got all of these images in the background of like essentially Taoist symbols right. with like the yin and yang right. and like the black and the white merging together. And it's like, almost implying that that's what the Jedi were at one point before some sort of like split into the Sith and Jedi. Right. And I, I, I think that's a part about these, these last two movies that have sort of like irritated me was that there was such opportunity to explore this rich Jedi history and show more about it. And then we just have her looking in a mirror. That scene was so disappointing to me. It was like, I mean, it was kind of cool, but it was also kind of like, I wanted to know more about what was in that book. And I wanted to have more interaction between her and Luke and find out more about the history of the Jedi. And I was a little disappointed in that. So we'll see. But but that's a great scene though. Isn't that like the best scene of all of Star Wars, in my opinion, the closing scene in that movie in The Force Awakens where she was filmed um, on an island outside of, uh, off of Ireland where they're, you know, she's handing the lightsaber to Luke. I was like, I can watch that scene over and great. over and over. It's great. It and it's just also a. It's really it's a, it's an epilogue in some ways. Like it, the yeah. way that it's set and the the tone of it and like just how the the whole story's done. But now let's set up the next one and just get people thinking about what comes next. And then you get the payoff of oh, we've not seen Luke on screen since 1983. Here he is. I, yeah, I loved it. I got chills. I get chills every time I watch it. And of course, John Williams doing, you know, the great music that matches perfectly and it's all good. So I'm going to be watching the next movie, the newest movie, uh, Lorise Skywalker on my birthday, which happens to be Christmas it's day. Exciting. So yeah, that's my birthday present to myself. Um, I will get my, my last Star Wars movie here and this nine movie saga. What are you all seeing it? Ideally, the day it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I so this is going to show the the depth of my nerd dumb for Star Wars. I for since the Force Awakens has been coming out, what I've done each year is bought between twelve and fourteen tickets for the same movie theater um, in Columbus, uh, Gateway Film Center. It's this great indie film center. They're not sponsoring me. I just really love them. And a huge group of our friends, uh, we just all have gone. It's pretty much the same group every time uh, at 7 p.m. on the night that it comes out. So even though the official release date this year is the 20th, we have tickets for 7 p.m. at on the 19th. That's awesome. And it's going to be great. And the movie theater usually has themed cocktails. Um, for, oh, cool. for, for, for The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, they've had like... A, a dark side and a light side cocktail. And I think they've usually been slushies. So like spiked slushies, um, if I remember correctly. Um, and so that'll be fun to see what they do this you should, year. You should do um, some tweets yeah. and photos and all of that. And we'll impact, uh, copy us in there and we'll share that. Yeah. Absolutely. If anybody, wants to, if anybody can't see this that day, 7 p.m. on the 19th, and you want to see some cool, like, I mean, not spoilers, but cool drinks and here's some thoughts and stuff. Like we will be retweeting 
and sharing stuff from Tavnor from his wonderful experience. And you all already know that Robin gets really pissy and ticked off at you if you spoil. So no spoiling. Yeah. This movie, because <laughs> I'm not going to see it on the 19th or 20th. I'm waiting until my birthday. So no spoilers, but I do want to hear if you're excited or not and see your drink photos and pictures of you with your friends. And so listeners, definitely tweet that stuff to us. We want to see it on Instagram. We want to see it on Facebook. You know, wear your nerd cred proudly. And we want to definitely see y'all enjoying the saga along with us. But yes, if you, and we'll do if the you same. tag me in your spoilers, I will be very upset and that's not a very good threat but um <laughs> i will i'll just be really mad really bad so don't do it yeah yeah that is not <laughs> yeah she will frown at you yeah i will frown at you that's about as bad as it gets but yeah don't do it she'll she'll tweet me one of those angry face yeah. emojis <laughs> Or, or when, oh when you die, you'll be yes, a force ghost. I'm going to be a force and ghost and not a good force ghost. Like, <laughs> Okay, so I do want to be a force ghost, though. And I want to pull a Leia and go, you know, flying her out. Like, that would be... Well, she's not a force ghost. She's alive, but that would be not a good power to have. Yeah. I, that, that's actually an interesting thing to speculate about as to whether or not yeah. they keep her alive for the whole film. I think that's an interesting question because I don't. I know they're using footage from the Last Jedi and the Force Awakens, um, and so oh. th- I th- we haven't even talked about that. That this is the last movie we'll see Carrie Fisher on screen. No, I what I read was that they actually did film the majority of her scenes before she died. I think they're going to use um, a little bit of CGI but, too, from what I read, which is yeah, like wonderful yeah. but creepy. I don't know and, how I feel about that for what it spells out for the film industry in the future, but. Yeah. Yeah, they've been doing that quite a bit. We making definitely younger just whole cloth created without like which Natalie you did dedicate your drink to her, but I think that is uh, what a poetic yeah. I mean not that anybody wanted to see her pass. I mean that's horrible. Wow. But that her <laughs> final film was a Star Wars movie is I don't know for fans it's like a really special thing, I know. She would go around on, to Comic-Cons when yes. she appeared and she would buy Star Wars. That's really great. My my one instance of fame for Star Wars is Mark Hamill liked one of my tweets once. (gasps) It wasn't even about Star Wars. (laughs) It was about um, (laughs) Brigsby Bear, the movie with Mark Hamill and Kyle Mooney. Great movie, but I was just saying that I really liked Brigsby Bear, and I tagged both of them, and then he liked it, and then my notifications went out the wazoo for about twenty four hours. That's amazing. Uh, we love Mark Hamill too. And we love Carrie. So yeah, I, I kind of hope she doesn't die. Because uh, I'd like to think of Princess Leia living on. Somebody could write tons of great books about yeah, Princess Leia and then Carrie Fisher could like live on in the, in the literature and stuff. Well, this was fun, you guys. We could we could record. We, like we could that. talk about Star Wars for many more hours. Well, We're not going to have an episode the length of yeah, a movie? Exactly. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Besides <laughs> which, we need another hour... Wait, we need another hour 20 to match the the Last Jedi, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could do it. Well, maybe we'll have to have an, a, another special Tipsy Nerds episode after the movie comes out and after everyone's had a chance to listen to it where or watch it where we will then talk about it. Yeah, I do too. Laud it, complain a good idea. about it. Mostly yeah. because I like coming back and it sounds yeah. like a great like well, We, always, we always love having you. <laughs> okay, well, my glass is empty, so. Yeah, me too. Ah. Same. It's probably time to go then. Well, it's been fun, you guys. It has been fun. And to those listening, um, I don't have like a specific question for you right now, but we threw out a lot of stuff. So 
just respond to that. Let us know the things that we said that you agree with, that you don't, our theories. Um, if you have different theories on some of the things we talked about, we want to hear about that too. So please interact with us and let us know your thoughts, especially on big-eyed, cute creatures and Ewoks. <laughs> and I don't think anyone's going to admit <laughs> that they want to punch them like I do. Yeah, yeah and then I'm going to like defend him. So be careful. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So I can't wait to watch the movie. I know y'all are excited too, and it'll be fun to come back and talk about it. Well, until then, cheers. cheers. Thank you for listening to the Tipsy Nerds Book Club podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the fun with your friends and family. Love what you heard and want the fun to continue? Head over to Patreon and become a patron of the Tipsy Nerds podcast. We love our patrons. Want a recipe for a cocktail you heard here? You can find recipes as well as show notes, episode transcripts, and helpful links on our website, tipsynerdsbookclub.com. And as always, join us next week for a new episode of Libations and Geeking Out. Cheers.